The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... An update from the Federal Communications Commission. Welcome to ACB Reports for March 2017. On February 27th, attendees of the American Council of the Blind's Legislative Seminar received an update on accessibility and video description issues from Will Shell, an attorney in the Disability Rights Office at the Federal Communications Commission. He was introduced by ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Tony Stevens. We are very fortunate to have a member of the Federal Communications Commission join us today. He has been right out of the gate, a staunch advocate for our issues, particularly those issues encompassing blindness and, and how it plays itself out in the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. So I'd like to welcome Will Shell to our ACB Legislative Seminar. Will is an attorney with the Federal Communications Commission. He has, as I said, right out of the gate been jumping in, and that gate was not open up that long ago. He's only been there for a few months now at FCC. Will came over from the Office of Civil Rights at the Department of Health and Human Services, where he's working on a lot of issues encompassing Olmstead and other issues dealing with disability rights. So he is in no way a stranger to our issues, and I think he'll share more about how you know these issues are also very personal for him as well. Will graduated from the University of Washington and got his law degree from University of San Francisco. He has worked uh, for civil rights groups in California before moving out to the East Coast and, and coming on board here to do the work here in Washington, D.C. on a national level. He is quickly becoming an expert on our issues, and our disclosure has been very passionate for our members. So in that passion, please welcome Will Shell from the FCC. So thank you very much, Tony. That was a really nice introduction. My name is Will Shell. As was mentioned, I am a new blind attorney at the FCC's Disability Rights Office. What I'm really here to do is try to tell you about some of the issues uh, that we work in. So I'll run through all that stuff quickly and then get into what everyone really wants to hear me talk about, which is when will TV be accessible to people who are blind? <laughs> but truthfully, there's a secret reason why I'm here is to actually just find out what's going on. Because I was surprised when I went to the FCC, they don't actually have functioning like, like you can't turn on a cable box in there and figure out how it works. We have a little room with some equipment and stuff, but it's not exactly what you would imagine. The FCC regulates and enforces uh, certain provisions of the Telecommunications Act, and uh, the Section 255 of the Communications Act. It covers some accessibility and compatibility and uh, usability of telecommunications, right? So think old school phones, right? And then, as Tony mentioned, the CVAA was passed and it adds on to that old school phone universe and brings it into the modern era where we do things with phones that 
when the uh, Telecommunications Act uh, was passed, we never would have imagined. So we've added a lot of accessibility functions within it. And then it also it fills in a lot of gaps that aren't addressed in other laws. And it includes things like uh, video description requirements for the television or broadcasting. So right now we've been passing or working on about 10 to 15 different regulations around all sorts of different disability areas. And these include ensuring accessibility of text messaging, emailing, instant messages. The CVAA covers certain accessibility components of your computers and laptops and tablets, in particular when they're being used for communication purposes. Also, there's something I want to mention. Keep your eyes and ears out for uh, real-time text as being an issue. It's a higher standard of text messaging communication, and it's particularly being uh, kind of introduced in the disability community, so it's something to keep your eyes on so that um, we can ensure that it's accessible to everyone. We do a couple other things. Captioning standards, captioning quality. Um, we have the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program, uh, which is a great program. A lot of you are involved with those programs. And then the Chairman's Award for Advancement in Accessibility, and then the Disability Advisory Committee, which consistently gives us amazing feedback and drives a lot of our FCC-wide decisions. Having the backing of a Disability Advisory Committee is really, really beneficial for trying to push accessibility issues through the larger bureaucracy. And Tony Stevens and Eric Bridges have worked hard on that group, advising us on disability-related issues. I'll just mention video description was due to be expanded, so more TV programs and more TV stations were going to have to include video description. But that's been put on hold. During the transition, it got caught up in the everything's being placed on hold. There's no word on what's going on with that yet. Hopefully, we'll have news soon. And then let's just get into the big issue. Accessible user interfaces for devices that play video programming. There's really two different types of devices that we're regulating. The ones that are provided from the cable and satellite and fiber companies. Most of those have to have accessible user interfaces right now. There's a lot of details. I'm sure most of the people in the room say, wait a minute, but mine is not accessible right now but it's supposed to be. And then the other category of device is everything else that can play video. The example that I like to use the most is the smart refrigerator. If your smart refrigerator can play a video, it is supposed to have accessible features and functions to allow you to navigate all the programs and menus. I still don't recommend buying a smart refrigerator. <laughs> That's the extreme example, right? The headrests in the car and the smart refrigerator are the more extreme examples. What's not extreme is your telephone, your, your mobile phone, your tablet, your smart TV, computer, any device that is designed to play video programming, that should have accessible features so that you can navigate within the user interface. That's not available today that is only for devices that were manufactured after December 20th, 2016. So there may be a few that need to have this functionality 
There's certainly plenty that already have accessible features built into them. These are things like Roku's and Amazon TVs and Apple TVs. So that's the state that we're living in. Two separate universes for user interfaces, one from the cable and satellite companies and one from everything else that plays video over the internet. So I would just like to stop talking and start having the hard questions that I hear are coming. A little off the subject, but what is the FCC going to do to ask SiriusXM to make their uh, receivers accessible? Great question. I'm new to the FCC. <laughs> so <laughs> actually, that's a fascinating question that I need to get to the bottom of. My email address is will.shell at FCC.gov. S-C-H-E-L-L. My answer is I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not trying to dismiss your question. It's a great question. I actually will find out the answer or find out that there is no answer or something. I'll find out. So if you send me an email saying, what about serious accessibility, I'll find out. Will, good afternoon. This is Ray Campbell from Glenellan, Illinois. You said that devices that are out there playing video after December 20th, they're supposed to have accessibility features. Well, we just got a new TV for Christmas. Is there some standard way or something that is supposed to tell people that they have accessibility features in devices? Um, we got a Vizio TV, and I just assumed it wasn't accessible, so I go, guess, I guess I'm going to have to have my brother-in-law come over and hook the thing up for us. And the second part of my question is, these devices are all Wi-Fi enabled. As upgrades come along, is there going to be some requirement that the software upgrade put in accessibility features as long as the hardware can support it? So how do you find out about accessible devices? There is a requirement within this same rule, the CVAA, and under the accessible user interfaces rule, it says that the manufacturers and suppliers, the people who sell these devices or lease them, they have to have a website with the information on them about how to use the accessibility, and they have to be able to offer the instruction guide in Braille, and they have to be able to offer it in an accessible format uh, otherwise. So theoretically, gaining access to this stuff shouldn't be too much more difficult than just going to the store and buying it. Like normal, we will likely have to do a little bit of legwork, and it's probably going to be on the manufacturer's website. So there's a lot of nuances that I'm not getting into. But needless to say, companies don't have to provide all of their products accessible. They do have to have you know, a range and accessible products do need to be as gettable as other devices. And also, I don't know, and this is something I keep trying to kind of find out and then I go down some sort of time warp, but I don't know when manufacturing date, I don't know if that is the same as selling date. I don't believe it is, but I need to dig into my own regulations even further. So manufacturing date, I don't know if the manufacturing date, if those things have reached our shelves quite yet. So that's my short answer. But the manufacturers should have websites. The cable companies all have to have websites. I know Spectrum's uh, website for accessible set-top boxes. Well, this is Jay yep. Doudna in o from Oklahoma City. Yep. I just bought a new smart TV at Christmas time, and the box said smart TV on the box. It's a Samsung. Does that 
maybe mean that it might have accessibility features in it if it says it actually said smart TV on both sides of the box. <laughs> I don't know if it has any accessibility in it. I would contact the manufacturer. I don't know if it does. It probably is not required by our regulations to have to have those. But the companies have known about the accessibility requirements for a number of years. So most of them are on track to make fully accessible devices very, very quickly. This is Lynn from Alabama. Do you all require any training for the installers and especially the people that provide tech support? Because if you've ever tried to get tech support for your TV and you tell them they're blind, they tell you to click on this, look at this button, you know. Yeah. So there's no, I mean, there's a big disconnect there. Yeah, there's a huge disconnect. And I think some companies are handling it differently than others. Each cable, satellite, and fiber optic company that is providing multi-channel video programming distribution to your house, those companies that are sending the TV stations in your house are supposed to have a contact entity. They're supposed to have a person or an entity or something for you to contact. Generally, that experience has not been very good. Usually when people call and say, I need an accessible user interface, I want to know what the program guides and menus say, or I'm blind, usually what happens is they are instructed on how to turn on video description. And they say, no, people have to explain. So we're going to have to keep doing lots and lots of education. I'm trying as much as I can. I think it will all take time. But we're going to have to just keep pushing forward on this idea that these things have to be accessible. They have to provide us the information that we need to actually understand what accessibility features are in there. They also are supposed to provide a person or an entity that will explain how to operate this stuff. So that all exists. If they're not doing it, you should send me an email. This is Debbie Detheridge from Louisville, Kentucky. And going back to the smart TV, a friend, we had someone that we knew in Kentucky that uh, they got a smart TV for Christmas. And from what I understand, you have to pay $50 extra to get a chip put in it, but the people like at Best Buy don't know anything about that. So, because we just bought a Samsung TV, but at the time we bought it, we didn't know about the chip that you had to put in it. That sounds, I mean, I'm just guessing, but that sounds like a cable card, or is you are you talking about something else? There are TVs that accept cable cards so that you don't have to have that box. And Usually, the cable and satellite companies will rent you that card. I think $50 sounds a lot really high to me, although I haven't paid for or watched uh, cable and satellite in a, quite a long time. So, But let me just say, this is not as straightforward as it would seem. Because when you have a smart TV, if it was manufactured after December 20th, 2016, then it's covered by one accessibility regulation and it has certain features and functions that need to be accessible to people who are blind and visually impaired. If you add a cable card to this, it becomes a different regulated device, maybe. I don't want to say it does or doesn't because it's complicated because usually the cable and satellite companies send you the device, so usually you get it through them. So it's complicated. That's a long way of saying just send me an email. I'm interested in every one of these detailed questions because I want to be able to actually know the answer to them someday. This is Dan Spoon from Orlando, Florida. I'm getting a little frustrated in that 
we've been promised this for a long time. So I honestly believe, and I don't think I'm exaggerating, 90% of the blind and visually impaired people in the state of Florida, which are all in the top 60 markets in the country, still do not have audio description available on their televisions. It may be there in theory and dream. If you happen to get the right cable guy on the right day with the weather in the right direction, you might get accessible TV for a month or two until somebody sends a new programming signal down and your remote goes crap. We're working and we're patient and we're Bright House customers who are now charter customers. But I really want you to leave this meeting with an understanding that we're getting pissed off. We really are. And it's not that we don't want to work with you, but we want to be able to watch audio-described television. And the law passed in 2010, and it's now 2017. And I'm still watching my baseball games in Spanish, if I happen to get audio right. description. I got one TV that it'll work on and two others that it won't. I'll call the cable people out, they'll fix it, and a week later, it's all crapped out again. And then I got the next guy and I call him and they say, oh, well, yeah, you need a specialist and I'm not a specialist. Please call back and ask for the specialist. Right. I call the accessibility guy and he's now taken another job since last week. <laughs> and I don't mean to be flippant, but it really shouldn't be this hard. And you guys as the advocates in the FCC need to make it as easy as a sighted guy who goes, pushes his remote control button and it comes on and if I want accessible TV with the secondary audio programming, I push another button and I can turn it on and off. It ought to be that simple. Here, here. I can't agree with you more and you know, just me agreeing with you isn't gonna help with this, but let me just throw in a bit of a nuance, right? Because we at the FCC don't have full control over every single issue. So for example, the regulation that was passed based upon the statute that was passed by Congress, cable and satellite companies don't have to have a button to turn on and off the audio description. That's not part of the regulation. It is for your smart refrigerator or your Roku, but not for the cable and satellite and fiber devices. So this is why I want to say it is complicated, but I also understand exactly if you change the channel and it goes from audio description to Spanish and then you change the channel again and it just there's no sound that is a virtually unusable service that's being provided I will say that all day whether the FCC can force them to do anything about it is a lot harder of a task but I'll do my best to get there my name is Jim Crott I'm also from Florida I'm also very angry at Charter I have cable service both with UVerse in one home and Charter in the other home. Charter finally showed up. They said they had the solution for me. They showed up with a brand new laptop computer. It has the NVDA screen reader on it. I don't know how to use NVDA. The person that installed it didn't know how to use NVDA. Nobody has a clue of what to tell me to turn cable on or off or to change channels or turn it on. I don't have accessible cable and it's atrocious that this is put out as a solution from a large cable provider and it means nothing to 99% of the users.
I've heard that same story from dozens of people, and I'm not here to defend our lunch sponsor, our sponsors here at Charter, but they, I think, you know, if I was to be fair, they were caught in the middle of a major acquisition right at the change. It's not excusable. I think they're doing their best, and I hope that the remarks that were given at lunch are true, which is that a universal across-the-board solution is on its way because I've heard that the laptop is not a very pleasant experience for watching television. This is Mikey. In Florida, we take our television very seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I was pleasantly surprised to call DirecTV and find out that I already had an accessible box. However, it's a genie, and I can only have one in my house. So what do I do about the rest of my TVs? I would contact them again and raise that. And if they say accessibility only works on one TV, I say, welcome to the United States. We watch TV everywhere. TV needs to be accessible wherever TV is watched. And it's, it's all over the place. So this is Tony. We've had another complaint come into our office regarding that and had required pushing the customer service because then they tried to charge them an extra fee or get them to renew in a contract keep pushing customer service to the realization of that being a a wrong answer. Hi, this is Paul Edwards, and I'm also from Florida. I want to raise another whole level issue. I'm a direct TV customer, and I have been for, gosh, seven or eight years now. My complaint is that no one in customer service departments at any of these companies, and it doesn't appear to be a direct TV-only problem, knows a damn thing about the accessibility features that are or are not available. There doesn't seem to be any real effort on the part of most companies to be sure that when you call the number that is usually the only one you have to start with, you're likely to get a reasonable answer. So the first several hundred times that I called them, I was given instructions that indicated that in order to get audio description on my DirecTV television, I would have to press 17 keystrokes in order to get there. Well, it turns out that's not true. And it was only by accident that I discovered that there actually is a single button that will let you switch from audio description to non-audio description with DirecTV. And I can tell you guys where it is but the only way that they could describe it to me was it's the green button. Yeah, right. (laughs) But the point that I'm really making is it's not enough to roll out equipment, even if the equipment's perfect, if no one in the company is prepared to support it and there isn't a mindset within the company to provide their employees with training that treats us as anything but damn nuisances. I agree. And I think Tony and Eric and the ACB have an amazing website that um, describes some of these details. But let me just say, we need at the FCC, we need your complaints because it is not only about you resolving this issue, right? As being in this meeting here, I know that you all are ready to file the complaint and go through the hassle of responding to everybody and over something that on the one hand feels trivial, but is actually extremely important entertainment and being able to access the services that you pay hundreds of dollars a month for 
is not a trivial matter. And if we don't get those complaints, we don't know to keep pushing. If we don't get the complaints, we can't send the threatening letter to DirecTV. So that's to say, if you can resolve it, please get it resolved. But otherwise, one way advocacy can work is through filing complaints. I served as the co-chair of that user interface subcommittee on the DAC. And I want to let you know what being on the DAC means to most of us. That is, the consumer advocates are outnumbered by industry four to one on any and all such committees. And as a result, since we were encouraged to do things by consensus, unless industry was 100% behind what we asked for, we had no chance of moving it out of subcommittee. So that's why there is no button, because industry referred to this process as button bloat. Well, there are thousands of buttons on my remote, most of which I never use. I don't know anybody who uses those buttons. So button bloat, I think, was smokescreen, and I continue to believe it's smokescreen. And one could be dedicated to closed captioning because they claim that it was like volume up, volume down, mute. It's just one other aspect of that same thing, while audio description does not have a corollary to the standard use of a remote. But my number one concern, quite honestly, is for the DAC to truly work properly in giving you advice, there has to be some effort on the part of the FCC to balance the input from consumer and provider. That is not the case right now. And the other half of this, quite honestly, is as we went through the process of trying to deal with the Spanish question, even though we have a report that indicates that it is doable without expanding current products out there, industry insists it no longer is doable because of limits in their equipment from original source out to me, a mere bill-paying customer. So I hope that the FCC, because they just reconfigured the deck, loved who you chose as, as co-chairs. That's excellent. But it doesn't just mean that the chairs have to be balanced between industry and consumer. It means the entire committee structure has to have a balance between those two inputs. Thank you. Thank you very much. for That's really helpful feedback, especially because I will be working with the Disability Advisory Committee coming up. So that's excellent uh, information to hear. That was Will Shell from the Disability Rights Office at the Federal Communications Commission in Washington, D.C. This presentation was part of the legislative seminar of the American Council of the Blind and was recorded on February 27, 2017. If you wish to contact Mr. Shell about the issues he discussed, his email is will.schell at fcc.gov. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.